The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Podcast, presented by Jason Bradbury and Phil Hinton. Hi, this is Jason Bradbury and welcome to another episode of the AV Podcast, Home Cinema Edition. Coming up this week, we have the latest AV news. Phil Hinton delves into high-definition playback with our panel guest in our round table. And I tell you about the gadget toys I've been playing with this week. This week's, this week's audio-visual news. In the news this week, Ofcom defiant on spectrum space for HD, high def to be the highest selling TVs by 2012, and Blu-ray claim victory in disc war, yet HD DVD announced super cheap hardware. We kick off the news with comment from Ofcom regarding the recent spectrum argument for HD. Ofcom are reported to have said that there would be enough spectrum for at least four HD channels from the current batch already owned by the public broadcasters, and there will be no need to hold back any further such spectrum before public sale. Ofcom boss Ed Richards commented, We've no interest in having a fight on the matter. We've set up meetings with broadcasters to discuss this in detail over the next couple of weeks. It's not a matter of ideology for us, it's a matter of technical fact. In our estimation, there could be between four and six high-definition channels put on digital terrestrial television to complement satellite and cable. We're looking very carefully at the argument that there is compelling public interest for a specific allocation of some spectrum specifically for HD. However, Richard's comments are hotly disputed by broadcasters, TV manufacturers and the Digital Television Group, which normally advises Ofcom on technical matters of broadcasting. Under the banner of the HD for All campaign, they are adamant that Freeview HD can only be achieved using new spectrum. It looks like this battle has some way to go yet. Meanwhile, according to research from Strategy Analytics, sales of HD TV and video equipment will leap 158% this year, with over 28 million products expected to be sold. And this is just the start. In 2006, only 8% of homes had an HD screen, but come 2012, 70% of homes will have at least one HD TV, with 53% owning some form of HD disc or media player. Says director Peter King, the trend towards high-definition TV and video is being driven by surging demand for LCD and plasma TVs, the vast majority of which are capable of displaying HD. Awareness of HD is growing all the time, which will feed sales of Blu-ray disc players, camcorders and other HD devices. Moving on, and in the world of the HD disc battle, things are also hotting up following the end of year's first quarter. Blu-ray is claiming victory in software sales for quarter 1, 2007. Newly released data suggests that 70% of HD disc sales were in the BD format, with HD DVD trailing at just 30%. According to Nielsen Video Scan point-of-sale data, Warner's The Departed, which was released in both formats, sold 53,640 Blu-ray copies up until the end of March. Over the same period, the HD DVD edition sold 31,590 units. Overall, the best-selling HD title was the Blu-ray hit Casino Royale. 
But what is more interesting is that the combined sales for HD packaged media looks surprisingly good for the first quarter of the year, with more than 1.2 million discs being sold. So there is certainly life in both camps, which may persuade studios to take a neutral stance to attain the highest possible earnings. The Blu-ray Disc Association's Andy Parsons said, It's exactly what we've said all along would happen, that strong support for Blu-ray among movie studios and equipment manufacturers means that consumers have more choices when it comes to players and titles. And according to Disney's Bob Chapek, all this data points to the irrefutable fact that the consumers are voting with their dollars and adopting the revolutionary technology of the Blu-ray disc. With such beloved titles as Pirates of the Caribbean on the horizon, these numbers will only do one thing, and that is grow. Well, they had to get some backlash comments in their war against the competition, didn't they? But we shouldn't put too much hope for an end to the battle in the BD Association's words of triumph, as news leaked from the States indicates the battle is certainly going to get to the next stage, a full-on price war. The AV Podcast understands that giant US retailer Walmart has just signed a massive contract with Chinese manufacturer Great Wall Corporation to supply 2 million HD DVD players, which it plans to retail at just $299. It's been suggested for quite some time that such a raid on the low end of the market would happen, and to date no Chinese companies have rights to build and distribute BD technology but the HD DVD camp have been pushing for such low-priced equipment for some time now. It's believed that this deal is only the start of budget machines being produced for the US and European markets, with many in the industry predicting that we are not too far away from seeing supermarket special HD DVD decks for under £200. If HD DVD manages to capture the price market for both hardware and software under the £200 threshold, it should see a massive uptake in the technology, and HD DVD currently holds that prize with 100,000 standalone players having been sold against BD's 30,000. Even once stalwart BD manufacturers are now starting to voice their desire for attaining a slice of the market, with many single format studios watching closely. This news combined with Samsung's announced dual format machines means there is plenty of life left in the HD battle. And if we do see those prices for HD DVD, how long will it be before these machines are sitting under Joe Blog's HD Ready TV? The biggest news and the best, best, best reviews. Best reviews. Hard, tiring work. You're listening to the AV Podcast. Now, for those of you who listen regularly to the AV Podcast, you'll know that each week I put you in touch with a particular piece of technology that has caught my attention. And this week, I just want to make mention of, uh, well, something that um, is by no means new. It's my favourite game, World War II Online. And if you watch the Gadget Show, you'll know that I, um, I often get a mention for the game in on the show. For me, it is outstanding. I mean, the game I'm now playing four years on from having started uh, with my original character is much changed in fact it's just gone for a, a really big point release only a few days ago but I can't recommend this, this game enough it, it's a massive multiplayer online game those of you not familiar with that uh, particular genre although I'm sure that won't be that won't be many I'm sure most of you will have heard of EverQuest and World of Warcraft and probably be, uh, be big players of them um, you know it's a similar concept except it's based in the World War 2 arena the concept is that the, the, the whole of uh, the, the kind of the most active European theatre has been mapped. So basically, northern France 
a bit of Belgium, I think, the Channel, Southern England. And then, essentially, most of the weapons that are available around about 1940 are playable. Uh, there's a very strict rank system. This isn't a game that puts up with, with kind of stupid kind of players slagging each other off and, and taking the mickey and shooting the back of the head and stuff. Uh, it's quite a serious endeavour. In fact, it's that serious that Stuart from AV Forums has actually just joined up and, and loves it, I'm told. The rank structure is really there so that people don't mess about and aren't allowed to, to mess up what is, what is really a very accurate historic simulation. So um, this is something I've been playing for a long time, but um, recently I just bought a new PC from vadim.co.uk. It's a monster of a machine. I'm not actually sure that I've mentioned it on the AV podcast already. I probably have, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a two and a half grand Uber machine with a very sexy NVIDIA graphics card in it. And really, it's put me back in love with World War II Online because while the game isn't particularly processor-hungry, there are certain things, there are certain aspects of the game that I haven't really played for many years. Um, I've run around in the kind of first-person shooter mode as a trooper. I haven't stopped doing that. I play it about three or four times a week. But I haven't been up in, in a Spitfire or a Hurricane for a while because that really does kind of eat into your graphics card. And now, with my new Ferrari of a machine, I've fallen back in love with the art of flying. When I say flying, you know, if you've got enough rank, you can grab a Blenheim, you can go on bombing missions, you can multi, multi-crew multi aircraft, you can take paras up and drop them over over a city uh, in a big coordinated strike. And, and we're talking about a game in which, um, you know, you'll regularly find 20, 30, 40 pilots all communicating over TeamSpeak or, or, or via text in big coordinated bomber missions with Spitfires and Hurricanes flanking them, uh, f- loads of French aircraft, Hawks and such like all up there in the same theatre, and then meeting overhead some big factory that they plan to bomb, because, of course, the bombing of factories hurts the enemy's war effort. And, you know, you really do get a sense that this is what computer gaming can be on a grand scale. So a game for the oldies amongst you, a game for those of you who don't like being fragged by 12-year-olds, and something that I think you should look into, even though it's not particularly new. I think I've just got some time on my hands, and uh, that's led to me getting back into it. World War II Online, look it up and enjoy it. Anyway, that's enough for me. Brought to you by AV Forums and AVPlay.com. Oh my God, is there nothing you people can't do? This is the AV Podcast. This week's roundtable discussion, hosted by Phil Hinton. And welcome along to another roundtable here on the Home Cinema Podcast. This week we've got John Carlo. Hi, John. Hi, Phil. Uh, Neil Davidson from TNW Marketing. Hi, Neil. Hi, Phil. And as always, Seth Gecko. Hi, Seth. Hello, Phil. This week's subject is HD DVD, Blu-ray, or DVD. How to get the best out of each format? Will there be any winners in the high def battle, or will the formats go the way of SACD and DVD audio? So we're going to open up to the panel this evening. DVD, HD, DVD, Blu-ray. Which one do you guys go with uh, for the majority of your movie watching? And we'll start with Seth this week. I don't really go for anything. It depends on what the movie's on. Um, most of the stuff is sort of like the TV shows, 24, La Femme Nikita, Las Vegas, all that kind of stuff, Lost. It's um, DVD, pick it up. If I have to go and um, pick up a disc that's sort of on all three formats which to be honest is pretty rare I'll look at the overall package and make my decision from that um, if it's if there's no difference say between the HD and the Blu-ray extras wise then the Blu-ray might edge it because of the PCM soundtrack um, depending on the type of movie 
So just so, so the listeners know, you actually have all three formats. You have DVD, Blu-ray, and HD DVD. Is that right? And sadly, I've even got laser discs still. <laughs> but yeah, I have all all the formats. But you can't get laser discs nowadays, can you? I have still got about a hundred odd. So you don't take any preference to to whatever format it, it comes down to the film and what's available on the disc with the film. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to the actual overall package. Um, I'm trying desperately to think of a movie. Um, the obvious one that I can think of, say, Tomb Raider, is identical on Blu-ray as it is on HD DVD, um, and it's also available on DVD. It, it's There's not much in it, so um, you just go with one that can offer the most. In that particular case, um, there is absolutely nothing to choose between them because they've both got Dolby Digital soundtracks, they've both got DTS soundtracks on the HD formats, so really there's not a huge amount sort of in it. John, are you the same? Do you have um, all three formats? I do, Phil, yeah. I've got DVDs, well, I've got thousands of them. <laughs> um, I've got HD DVD and I've got Blu-ray. Um, more HD DVDs because obviously I've had that longer than the Blu-ray. I only recently got the PS3 just after Christmas, so I imported one and um, started picking up some Blu-rays. The HD DVDs is more... I, well, I, I prefer the picture quality on most of the HD DVDs. The Blu-rays, the releases they're coming out with recently, are getting better. And my, my DVD collection, I mean, I do tend to go out and still buy DVDs now. I haven't given up on that. I, I do get good quality through my system. Um, obviously the sound is very good and um, I use a scaler so I mean we've talked about that before so I do sort of squeeze the best out of the DVD format as well Two out of three so far with both formats uh, we'll come to Neil Neil do you have um, either or or both? Well interestingly enough I don't actually have any of the HD formats uh, in my house at the minute I still stick with SD DVD um, as I'm sure as listeners can imagine my system in the house is pretty well set up uh, I use a scaler for my plasma TV and it gives me at the minute all of the resolution that, that I need from my seating position so I haven't been faced with a, a really compelling reason to upgrade so far. And are regular SD DVDs still good value for money now? Interestingly enough I think that perhaps they're slightly getting a little bit better value for money and um, you can pick up the new releases uh, really quickly now. I think probably the best example recently was the new James Bond film. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have been able to compare the standard definition DVD with the Blu-ray version, but there isn't a whole lot to choose between them. Um, The standard version was recorded with an extremely high bitrate on the DVD transfer, and it it really does look very, very good indeed. Um, And we picked that up when it came out for £8, I think, all the supermarkets were selling for. So I thought that represented really good value for money. And as I say, in my system, uh, in my seating position, I wouldn't have had any benefit at all from the extra resolution on the HD disc formats. That's an interesting point that you raised with uh, Casino Royale um, on Blu-ray and DVD. And I know you just have to go into the high-definition DVD forums on the AV forums to see that there's fanboys for each of the high-definition formats. But not a lot of people talking up DVD these days. But the Casino Royale thing... um, is it just a case of you're actually seeing higher bitrate MPEG-2 decoding on the Blu-ray? And that's maybe why you're not seeing such a such a great difference in picture quality? There's no doubt, absolutely no doubt, that that is one of the factors, Phil, for sure. Um, it's had a lot of attention put on the transfer, um, and they've really squeezed everything out of DVD that they can get out of it. 
but as I say, really in my situation, uh, it comes down to the fact that I wouldn't be able to benefit from that extra resolution. So even with the, the higher resolution on the Blu-ray version, you know, there would be no, no extra detail that I would see when I'm watching the film. Okay, so let's stay with uh, DVD for the time being. And obviously, everybody that is listening to this will have a DVD collection of some kind. Um, if they're anything like our collections, then you're talking several hundred, if not a thousand odd DVDs in our collections it's not something that you're going to go and sell overnight and and replace with high def or is it Seth? Absolutely not (laughs) Uh, certainly not for me Um, I have well over 2000 DVDs so I'm not going to replace that lot in a hurry so yeah I mean I'm with I'm you know with Neil on this one I still get a lot of enjoyment out of um, watching DVDs I I think one of the, the biggest sort of gripes, bugbears I have with um, certain people on the forums that uh, are praising the formats, uh, they are basically saying, oh, it's uh, just like you know, the upgrade from VHS to DVD. Um, no, I don't think so. You know, if you think about sort of VHS, um, it was a very poor picture, it, it, you know, compared to DVD. Um, you had all sorts of issues, tracking, head alignments, you don't get that with DVD, so I can't see how you can actually, you know, hand on heart turn around and say, ah, yeah, but it's, you know, such a huge quantum leap. Yeah, it's sharper for sure, and there's more detail, but it isn't as much of a a leap, um, or as impressive as uh, certain people are touting, shall we say. But no, I would never, never um, replace, you know, the uh, DVD collection in its entirety. Um, with HD or Blu-ray, one mostly because they don't exist, and B, it just costs so much money. And John, uh, are you of the same <coughs> opinion? Well, yeah. I mean, the the only thing I would say is, uh, I mean, I, I I would have thought it also does depend on what you're viewing on. I mean, I've I've looked at several HD DVDs and Blu-rays, and I mean, they do they do look stunning on a projector, um, and that's where they sort of win over with the resolution being, you know, the image being so big and the resolution being quite high. And a lot of the 1080p projectors you've got out there, uh, good 720p projectors, um, you sort of get the better, you get that quick picture quality, obviously with a larger screen. So um, you do sort of notice, if you do go back to DVD standard, you do you do um, notice the drop um, in resolution. So I think there's an argument there that can obviously be, be had and said, reference to what you're viewing it on. Do you think I'm right? Yeah, I think, John, that that's an excellent point that you make there. Almost all of my viewing is done on a, a 42-inch plasma. The, there really isn't space the way that my, my living room is set out to have a projector. I do have a projector in the house, but it gets used for other things, and for testing and so on. And you can tell the difference for sure once you get up onto those bigger screen sizes. That's an important point to, to remember, though, for the listeners. Really, on a, a 42-inch uh, or below, you have to be sitting pretty close to the screen, um, really less than eight feet to start noticing the difference uh, between the HD uh, and the SD formats. However, as uh, Phil and I discovered, uh, we were doing some testing earlier on in the week there, uh, and we compared some very good SD transfers with HD, and even on the big screen in Phil's house, we were still very impressed with the level of detail that a good SD DVD transfer could get. However, the operative there, I guess, is that they were good transfers that we were looking at. And when we looked at some poorer transfers, yeah, just as you said there, you could see some softness. The same level of of sharpness wasn't there. Uh, And that was all really emphasised by the larger screen that we were using. 
that's a, a good point you raised, Neil, and it was one I was going to come on to. Um, we did indeed look at SD material. I think it was Gladiator that we looked at, which was being upscaled to 1080 by the Toshiba player. Uh, and we were both quite amazed with it, with the amount of detail we were actually getting back from standard definition. And there were certain things that really sort of stood out, especially in the armour and so on, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, still it had all of the, the sort of three-dimensionality and all of that kind of stuff that we look for. We should point out that the display, we'd, we'd done a reasonable level of setup and so on. But, you know, SD DVD as a, as a content carrier, if you like, it still has that potential to, to give you that thrilling experience it gets less now as we have the bigger screens and so on, but there's still some life in it yet, which I think is is the point that, that we can see here. So obviously the, there's a lot of life still left in DVD, and I, and I don't think any of us are, are silly enough to junk our DVD collections and, and go and buy um, HD content, because A, there's not a lot of HD content out there, the market's still pretty small, and it would cost an awful lot of money to do that. So if we can carry on for, with the upscaling idea and, and the larger screens, um, Neil, and one of the things that we did notice was um, we flicked between a couple of different DVD players that both did upscaling, but the differences were very apparent, weren't they? Yeah, very apparent. I mean, this is one of the things with the formats. The formats themselves have the potential to have all of this detail on them and so on, but what we really saw when we were doing our checks was that the, the equipment that had been chosen and the way it was set up really did have, I, I can tell you, it was quite a surprising impact, even for me, to see the difference because we were flicking between, you know, almost one after the other, to see the difference uh, that, that, that you could see in the, in the, the footage and so on. Um, the Gladiator DVD was a really good example. It was the remastered, it was the special edition, Phil, wasn't it, that we, we were using? Yeah, it was the uh, the extended edition that we were using, and chapter 15, which is the, the one where the gladiators come out into the Colosseum. Yeah, it's the, the Battle of Carthage, classic test scene, um, but, but it really did show up what you could get on a, a good system, um, and I think that that is good news, because what it means is that people could consider, uh, rather than junking their whole SD collection, which I have heard some people do, um, I have heard some dealers and so on who have dumped all of their old the demo stock of DVDs and all that kind of stuff and have replaced it with HD. Um, people can consider looking at some other options. It's interesting that Arcam have come out with a new player, a £2,000 SD DVD player. Um, and the reason that they're doing that is because the format itself still has that potential to really wow us uh, when, it's, when it's used properly and displayed properly even on the big screen, as we saw. And I guess what people should be looking at, if they're going to continue using SD, which they should do, uh, I, th I think that's our opinion here, that people should continue to use SD, is to make sure that when they're upscaling, that they, they actually use a very good upscaling player if they're going to be using such a large screen. Um, because it was quite evident that we had a lowly Denon uh, machine, which isn't made anymore, but used the DCDI um, upscaling, Neil. And yep, it was it, the Fruja processing. Yeah, and it, and it was quite evident that there was a lot of compression artefacts and a lot of um, artefacts being brought into the picture at, at that site, kind of size, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, the, the, artefacts, the artefacts are kind of there. Uh, good processing will really suppress a lot of those artefacts um, and also, you know, things like jagged lines and all that sort of stuff that are really prevalent in SD-DVD on bad machines. Um, we found that just... The simple act of switching between processors or, or DVD players 
cleaned up a lot of that stuff and it made the picture a lot more watchable. And I think um, the, the, the thing that really comes across is that when we didn't have those artifacts and stuff going on, suddenly it became a much more immersive experience. Again, you were drawn right back into the content rather than getting jarred out of it when you saw you know, some, some jagged line on the Colosseum or something like that that reminded you were just watching a movie. It, it really was still a, a surprisingly good demo of how effective SD DVD can still be. So yeah, I was, I was quite pleased with that one. Quite enjoyable. Yep, and after you left, I actually sat and watched a bit more of Gladiator because it really was. <laughs> it did. It looked so good. And just just for the listeners, we were using a JVC HD1 projector for that, and um, we were uh, very happy with the results, weren't we, Neil? Very, very happy indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll move on. Um, that's standard definition DVD, which is uh, it, it's still worthwhile investing in. Um, the results can still be absolutely brilliant. And we'll move on to HD. Let's start with the smaller display devices. Um, and Seth, you've got yourself a new display device and you have both formats. So um, what's been your opinion so far? Any difference between the, the formats? Um, other than the obvious, which is that um, Blu-ray will actually output 1080p on the player as opposed to 1080i, which is... Uh, all the Yamaha's doing so. Any in-scaling inter- you want to do to turn it into 1080p has to be done by the screen for the HD DVD. I'd, I honestly would have to say, depending on the disc that you're spinning, depends on the end result that you're going to get, much like DVD, basically. Um, if you go just quickly for a second back, which you were saying, if you compare something like Casino Royale on DVD to, say, one of the original titles on, um, like Mars Attacks, you're going to see a huge difference in quality. The same also holds true for sort of HD, DVD and Blu-ray. If you look at some of um, the discs that have been coming out, um, I'm of the opinion, you know, go back to Tomb Raider that I mentioned, although it's on the high def, I think it's still a pretty poor transfer compared to, um, say, something like the Rocky Balboa transfer on Blu-ray or, um, say, Sky Captain on HD DVD, which is very, very good, um, even though it's in a sort of um, certain style. It's a very stylistic transfer. It is very good. Um, So basically, I don't think that there's any real pros and cons um, over the formats. I think that it ultimately comes down to disc encoding, um, as usual, and who's going to make the most out of it, and sort of the MPEG-2 discs um, on Blu-ray seem to be the ones that are taking sort of the brunt of frustration. I'm trying to think of one that I've seen recently. Layer Cake um, looks fine, but in the night scenes, it's got some awful artefacting, and it's pretty unforgivable on that on that point. Um, so, yeah, it, it really depends on the title more than anything else. So what you're saying there is you, you're actually noticing um, differences between VC1, AVC, and, and MPEG-2 in the encoding process then? Definitely. Like I say... That layer cake looks fine up until the nighttime scenes, and then you just look at it and you're going, "Oh my god, that's really blocky! Oh, that's really horrible!" Um, and you, and then you sort of think, "But it shouldn't be like this." So, okay, uh, John, any any experiences similar to that, or have you found one that you prefer over the other? Yeah, I mean, I've I read a lot on the forums. Obviously, people have opinions on where they what they think of um, certain films that have come out on different on the different formats, the Blu-ray or the HD DVD. Majority of the actual the films that I've got are generally pretty good um, and a lot of the, the transfers on HD DVD are, are the more impressive ones the, the older films uh, Grand Prix I think is one that's, that stands out as uh, being a superb transfer for such an old film 
and, and the quality of it is uh, quite amazing. But as you said, you, there is different um, encoding, VC1 and MPEG2. VC1, I think, is the preferred format on HDVD and then more, being used more widely. Um, I'm not an expert in that regards, but yeah, HDDVD films, they're coming out, the, the, the quality of the transfers are much better. I've got a, a few of the Blu-rays which I'm impressed with. Um, one of them was Underworld, that was quite good. Um, but generally on the whole, most of the HDDVD side has, has impressed me more. I guess the the only thing that we can really say is that you're going to get good discs on either format, but I, th- I think the thing that maybe the consumer's going to come to is price. Do you, do you notice a, a difference in price? I mean, we know that there is quite a big uh, price difference between Blu-ray hardware and HD DVD mm. hardware. Uh, whether HD DVD has been subsidised or not, we don't really know. But there is a, a big gulf between the prices there. Um, software, I've also noticed as well, um, certainly in the UK, there's quite a difference between price as well, um, between HD DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, some Blu-ray discs costing up to £35 a disc. Yeah. I know. Um, so as a, a, a consumer who's getting into HD, you've got your HD-ready TV, um, wh- what do you think the consumer's going to think of, of the price differences there? Well, I think, I mean, to be honest with you, I think some of the prices that people, um, that some of the, the retail outlets have been trying to sell some of the HD DVDs and also the Blu-ray, I think, to be honest with you, it will put a lot of people off um, when you consider that you can pick up the DVD, which is still a very, very good format um, for a lot, lot less. And... I think the only way that they can really sort of get people to into the formats and, and into purchasing the, the HD stuff would be to obviously lower the prices. Um, I mean, I, I went in and I, I, I would like to have picked up a couple of films, but for what they were charging, it was um, it was a bit much. I do find it kind of ironic that everyone's going on about the pricing, but if you think about it, um, don't know about yourself, uh, John, but um, you've got to remember, I don't know if you had Laserdisc, Oh yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you, you, you're, you're complaining about thirty-five for a Blu-ray, but you'd part with a hundred quid for a Criterion box set. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's just the general, the, the way the consensus is now that obviously you can import discs, um, you know, a lot cheaper. I think that that, and especially with um, the internet and online uh, shopping being more, you know, appropriate nowadays, I think that is that will drive people to to buy over the internet. It's it's being competitive, and I think that at the end of the day, that's what it's going to boil down to. It's being competitive, and yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I do pay I pay a lot of money for sometimes for this if I really want it, and I will get it. But um, as I said, we're in a we're in an age where um, you know shopping can be done just by sitting on your PC. That is an interesting point about the online sales. I mean, obviously, it, it is cheaper to buy online these days, and if you're looking for Blu-ray or HD DVD, they seem to be similar in price um, there doesn't seem to be a premium on, on either format and it was also interesting what you said Seth about Laserdisc, I remember the days of Laserdisc and um, I remember buying Star Wars a definitive collection and not having much change out of £300 do you think uh, the mood's changed now, do you think that the fact that technology is so cheap that we shouldn't be paying for software? Uh, oh, that's a tough one See, this is the bit where I get to be br- brutally honest and I think that everybody in England um tends to be incredibly penny binging you know what they say about was it penny wise and pound foolish um, there is an element of that 
it, you see on the forums that they won't that people people won't you know bat an eyelid at say spending a thousand pounds for a, a subwoofer or some speakers or some high-end kit but pay more than 10 pounds for a dvd oh, straight you know you're thinking jesus christ it's only a tenner you know you know you don't really have to you know make such a big deal about it compared to the rest of the stuff that you've you know sort of you've got and bought it does seem very you know dual standards and really quite strange um I, for me, I don't really give a monkey's about the price tag. If I want it, I'll buy it, and that's the bottom line. Um, if it's if it's twenty quid for a Blu-ray title, if it's fifteen quid for the DVD, and it's uh, twenty quid for the HD, and I want the Blu-ray one, I'll just pay for it. You know, that's it. I want it. Be done with it. Um, and I think that anyone that's sort of going, oh, you know, I've got to go and get a coupon and say fifty p. It's like go and get a life. <laughs> okay, <laughs> don't hold back, uh, Seth. Uh, Neil, we'll bring you back into the conversation here. Do you think technology's moved on as such that we should expect um, lower prices? Uh, I have to say, I, I think that uh, there is definitely an element of that. I mean, what we've seen with DVD is that DVD has steadily come down in price, especially as the supermarkets and so on. You know, and also the online thing, as John mentioned, really is having a big part to play there. So I think that DVDs have maybe got down to a price between 10 and 12 pounds perhaps, let's say that that's a, a sweet spot for a lot of people, whereas 15 pounds, for whatever reason, starts to sound a bit more expensive. And I think people have become probably used to that. They have associated that value with the content. And so charging a little bit more than that for the, the HD versions, whilst you can understand it, it may be difficult uh, to justify in, in people's heads, you know, especially these people who've just spent a thousand pounds on a Blu-ray player or whatever else, you know, four hundred pounds or three hundred pounds on an HD DVD, to then be asked to pay, you know, an additional ten pounds premium, fifteen pounds premium. I, I take the point that uh, Seth was making there. I think it's a psychological thing for people. It just it just starts to sound more expensive. Um, and the, the manufacturers and the, the publishers and so on will need to be aware of that, I think, before the acceptance really uh, really takes off for that. And I think there's actually another interesting factor which will probably affect the perception that people have of price. Um, with the explosion now that we have in online music, I think a lot more people now associate uh, the price that they're paying simply with the content that they're receiving. The whole uh, question of how much the disc costs to make and all that kind of stuff, really, as a consumer, I don't care about that. If that's the way that it has to be delivered to me, that's the way it has to be delivered. But what I am paying for is the content, and, and really that I need to associate some value with that content. Now, I can give you an example from my personal experience. I still go to the cinema quite a lot, probably a lot more than than a few people on the AV forums, but I'm lucky enough that I have a, a cinema card. I spend £11 a month, my wife also, £11 a month, and we can go to the cinema as often as we like for that £11. So for me that represents good value because if I go, well, four or five times a month at least, the, the amount that I've paid for the content really isn't that high. So when I take that and look at maybe an HD DVD or a Blu-ray disc at £20, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, I could probably go to the cinema two or three times for the same content that I'm getting. And I really think that that psychological factor is playing a big part in the acceptance of the new formats. 
I'll actually say I used to actually have one of those cards that you did, um, and I gave up because the cinema was absolutely crap. Um, but then on the other side of the coin, to get one of my cliches in, um, you know, you couldn't go to the cinema in London and watch a movie for ten or eleven quid these days, which is you know my neck of the woods, as it were. Okay, so let's uh, leave the software for a little while there, and uh, let's move on to the HD hardware. Um, so let's move back to something that we were talking about before, and we kind of went off on a tangent because we were talking about projectors, but not everybody's going to have um, the room, the space, or the budget for a projector in their homes, and uh, the other choice is obviously an LCD or plasma TV. So we all know that screen sizes will affect uh, how you see the resolution of these higher formats, and... Um, I'll put this one to Neil. Neil, if I had a 32-inch LCD and I'm sitting 12 feet away um, and that LCD is 1080, am I getting any benefit from it? No. In a word, no. Simple answer. Your so, eye physically cannot resolve the the resolution um, from that distance. You would need to be coming in 6 feet maybe from the display before you could start to appreciate the, the real benefit of that extra resolution. So let's go back to what used to be a given in the industry, which was the bigger the screen, the further away you sit. And that advice, sadly, is still being given by a lot of dealers. I actually heard it the other day when I was in a dealership that you know the salesman was saying, well, if you're going to buy a 42-inch screen, you're going to have to sit further back. It's it's a, a complete flip around now, isn't it, Neil, with with where you sit to how big the screen is? Well, it is a, it's a difficult question as well because we still have the mix of SD and HD um, if you sit too close to the screen, of course, and watch SD material, you're going to see all the artefacts and all that kind of stuff that you have in there. However, if you sit too far away, your HD content really <laughs> becomes worthless because you're so far away from the screen. So it's a difficult question for a lot of people at the minute. Um, and it's one that the dealers themselves will need to find the, the solutions to when they're discussing this with the customer. To find out what it is that's important, you know, do they have a Sky HD system, do they have a Blu-ray or an HD DVD player, etc. And really try and suggest the right screen size for them. I mean, it is a nice problem to discuss, but for a lot of people, the living room layout is fixed. And really the biggest screen size that they can get is relatively fixed, between 42 and 50 inches. So it is a question, but it's not a huge question for a lot of people at the minute. One thing uh, we have noticed in this country is the fact that the average screen size for the, the standard living room has gone up from probably about 24, 28 inches to about 32 to 36 inches now. So are we moving in the right direction, guys? Well, I think there's, there's two clear factors which have impacted that. Uh, first of all, uh, we now have sets that go up to that size. Uh, simply when we were younger and we were all using CRTs or whatever else, um, it wasn't possible to hang a CRT on the wall, and if you went up to a 36 inch screen size, well you had 36 inches sticking out the back of the CRT as well, because it was absolutely massive. Um, now that we have the, the flat panels, um, it's a lot easier to you know put that larger screen flat up against the wall and it doesn't dominate the room in the same way that it perhaps used to with a CRT. Um, the other factor of course is that it's just a financial thing. A 36-inch uh, LCD display in Curry's or Comet now is, well, it's not that expensive. What, £500 or something like that? And uh, the average Joe can afford to go in and buy a screen of that size quite easily now. So do you think um, 
with the way technology is moving on and the fact that we're now moving into high definition, um, that all the, the pieces of the jigsaw are starting to fit or do you think that there's still areas where uh, things need to move along a bit for for people to adopt HD? Um, I think it's I think it's pretty much come together quite well over the last past at least couple of years. Um, displays being the you know the size of them and then the prices coming down. Um, I mean, you go you do you go. I mean, my first plasma I paid four and a half thousand pounds, and that was a Sony forty-two inch. And you know, later on you could get the forty-two inch Pioneer for seventeen, eighteen hundred pounds, and the quality was better. Um, you know, and then you've got high def content to actually view it on. Um, it's yeah, it's coming together quite well, I think. Now I'm enjoying it a lot more. Let's just say that. Neil. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that the the pieces are starting to come together, for sure. Um, you can actually take it a bit further. We can see in the mass market. We can all go into Curry's and we can see that the screens are getting bigger, but a little bit higher up, perhaps, in the chain. Um, we, we talked a little bit before about projectors. Now, previously, uh, to have a projector in your house, wow, you know, it was it was quite something to have a projector in your house. But even now, we're starting to see that the projector is becoming a, a commodity item. Um, you can pick up projectors on the high street now and in focus or something like that, no problem at all. Uh, and people are starting to have maybe 80, 100-inch screens with a projector in their house not spending a lot more than £2,000 on it. It's not cheap, but it's still achievable for a lot of people. Um, and in that sort of a situation, there is no doubt that HD DVD or Blu-ray or any of the other HD formats, it does have benefits in what you see on the screen. And really that's the sort of trend that we're going to see as the content becomes better uh, and more widely available and the screen sizes continue to get bigger it's really a natural progression. The two go with each other uh, and, and they, they drive each other on. Better quality uh, means that you can have a, a slightly bigger screen size. Uh, again, if you have a slightly bigger screen size, you want to have as good quality to show on it. So the two drive each other along. And, and that is something that really is, is driving along the market. Uh, at the minute, it's not quite in the mainstream, but over the next maybe 18 to 24 months, you really are going to see that becoming mainstream, and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, HD projectors on sale in Curry's and Comet very soon. It's funny that you mentioned that, Neil, because uh, we mentioned in our news this week on the podcast that um, HD TV is uh, going to boom over the next couple of years. Um, only 8% of homes at this moment in time, 2006, beginning of 2007, have an HD-ready screen. But there was some analytical research done in the last few months, and uh, that research has shown that in 2012, they reckon that 70% of homes will have at least one HD TV, with 53% owning some form of HD disc or media player. That makes that's some jump, isn't it? That 70% against 8%. Well, it is a big jump, but again, you can you can look at a few factors. What are we now? 2007. So 2012, we're talking five years. I think we'd all be agreed that if you went into, we come back to Curry's and Comet, you would struggle now to buy a display that wasn't HD ready. Um, I think we'd all agree with that. Yep. Yeah, and so what that means is pushed. that as even those people who are not early adopters or anything like that, they just want a new TV 
naturally they will end up with an HD ready TV and then they start to think well you know what what content is there available the next thing that's going to happen is the analog switch off uh, so people are going to have to start looking around at set top boxes and so on and um, there'll be a new Sky HD set top box soon um, we all hope that the Freeview HD thing comes round and all of these things are just you know they're, they're driving and at the minute we're still very very early in HD in Europe um, it's not been around for a long time the same way as it has in the States and yet still there's been a very high take up uh, considering how short a time it's been around and the level of take up only will increase so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by those figures that you just quoted there, Phil. Let's move on and uh, we'll finish up with uh, with the displays for, for the time being. We'll quickly move back to the HD disc format. Right, which one do you think is going to win? Neil? Well, as I've said on an earlier podcast, I don't think either of the formats has much of a chance. Uh, as soon as the, the network infrastructure in the UK catches up with it, um, and also across the rest of Europe, we'll all be downloading our content on demand. Um, and I'm afraid that neither of the two disc formats has much of a hope once that happens. Seth? No idea. At the moment, it's too niche. It, it's effectively Laserdisc Round 2. Um, it's being picked up literally not by Joe Public. The nearest you're getting to Joe Public is in the shape of the PS3. I wouldn't want to hedge my bets, to be absolutely honest. And uh, what about you, John? Um, well, I, I don't know. I think um, I hope both of them succeed in one way or another I, I just like the, the the fact that you can have choice and you know at the end of the day okay sometimes things are going to be easier to download or whatever but I just like the, the flexibility of having a disc and you know the choice of being able to buy that particular film um, whether it be on A or B format so I, I hope they all do well well with them both technically being almost the same HD DVD has HDI, Blu-ray is still struggling on the spec side, and we still to see Java coming in. But do you think it's going to come down to price? Do you think that the more HD panels that are sold, the more people start to realise about the HD uh, disc formats? Do you think price is going to be a major factor in either one taking off, or do you see it as Neil sees it and, and struggling? Uh, um, personally, I, I, I think that, yeah, price could be a big factor in it um, for, for the masses, um, but for sort of the enthusiast, then I think Seth, like like Seth said, was you know you're gonna you're gonna buy it whatever the price if if you really want something. But yeah, majority I would probably say will come down to the pricing. And that brings us on to the news this week that Walmart have uh, allegedly um, signed up a Chinese manufacturer to make them two million HD DVD players, which they plan to retail at three hundred dollars. Could this be a turning point, guys? Do you think that Getting player, I mean that's effectively 150 pounds a player. Yeah. Do you think that yeah. that's the way that this market's going to go? Could the could the big giants of the you know the uh, should I say China or whatever the, the manufacturers could they push it and sway it in a way I don't know. Um, if if it's cheap enough, then maybe yeah. Um, especially at that sort of level of pricing, 150 pounds, 300 dollars. Um, that could be a, a big calling card to, to consumers to say, right, HD DVDs are going to be the way I go. You know, it's got a lot of content and, and it's the cheapest one out there. So that could buy, buy the Joe Public's confidence. Do you think that maybe takes it down into an impulse buy sort of zone? You know, you walk into Asda's and, and you see a £150 HD DVD player and 
you've just bought your HD screen, Neil. So is that an impulse buy for people? I think it's still just a little bit too high for an impulse buy. But, I mean, I think back myself. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all remember when the standard definition DVD players started to become available in the supermarkets. Maybe around 50, 60 sort of pounds mark. It wasn't quite an impulse buy, but the fact that it was there on the supermarket shelf gave it a sort of uh, a legitimacy, if you like. People who perhaps weren't that bothered about having a new player suddenly thought, oh well, you know, everyone must be doing it. It's in the supermarket. So they picked one up, took it home, uh, there was a new consumer added. And for HD DVD, if they can get something like that, that takes it away from a very specialised and niche product, as we've said, uh, into the realms. I mean, into Walmart, you don't really get much more mass market than that. That would be a real, real coup for HD DVD if that's true. Yeah. What do you think, Seth? I think ultimately it's marketing. Nothing more, nothing less. Whoever can market the product so that um, the, the, the consumer can basically get it um, either cheaply or... Um, get it into their head that they need it then it will then it will succeed um, I think that was ultimately what kind of happened with DVD it was clever marketing um, if you re recall I mean again for early adopters we were paying like what four or five hundred pounds for an import uh, import player and then they you know slowly came down I actually know somebody who turned around and said they wouldn't buy a DVD player until you could record on it and this was when the recorders were like a grand now the recorders you can pick them up for what 69.99 you know just a, a box and a DVD recorder not with a hard drive I think that it's early adopters that drive the price down um, and then marketing that takes over to basically say you know this is a really good product you should be buying it some people then you know eventually um, sort of get round to that way of thinking and then purchase it conversely I've actually been in blockbusters and heard somebody say that they couldn't see the difference between um, video VHS and DVD and I think my comment to them was you should have gone to Specsavers <laughs> well, so guys I guess this brings us on to the stalwart um, blu-ray supporters this week as well um, Samsung who introduced the first Blu-ray player, now saying they're going to bring out an HD DVD Blu-ray combo drive, um, which will do everything that the formats are supposed to do. Is that another way that the market could be going, Seth? It's inevitable that the easy answer is going to be combo drives, um, and it's also inevitable that some people are going to obviously backtrack over um, their original stance. Um, I think that's because... Sony touted Blu-ray as being the big thing and the HD DVD is ultimately the underdog that's proved them kind of wrong. So I think that ultimately the market force has proven that there are a lot of people with HD DVD um, but they don't want to look like they're um, turning their back on Blu-ray and going, oh, we admit defeat, we were wrong. But, you know, with the, uh, with the dual format disc as well, it's a real tough one. Um, Ultimately, I think that you know the people who are going to benefit are going to be the later adopters, where they'll only need one player, or the early adopters, where they'll only need actually one disc. I have the horrible feeling where it's it, by doing that it goes the same way as Super Audio CD and DVD Audio. Um, to me, all DVD Audio was brilliant and Super Audio CD was really good as well, and I enjoyed them. But it just didn't have the impact because you could have you know both 
both formats on that one machine. I don't know. It just seems to kill it off. I see. I'm of the opposite of thing, which goes back to the marketing thing. I think I don't think realistically that there was enough um, marketing um, or explanation to Joe Public um, who would make a format ultimately, you know, win or lose. Um, people just didn't really care for the format because a lot of people haven't got the high-end kit, haven't got high-end speakers, and probably a tone deaf from listening to the spy scales and things like that, but they wouldn't actually notice the difference, you know, if it came up and slapped them around the face with a wet cod. So, yeah, you know, that's true. Um, I think that that is basically, you know, the reason why, say, those particular formats didn't do particularly well. I think with HD there is enough of a difference for them to see it, provided <laughs> that it's shown... Yeah, it provided that it's shown, and you know, again, even with the um, uncompressed PCM for Blu-ray, it's got to be shown in the right conditions to actually prove why it's much better. If you just put it on a, I, mean, I, I get this is you know typical um, sort of game station or you know really no planning whatsoever. You know, I've seen them actually demonstrate a PS3 on a 14-inch TV via SCART. You know why? Why are you? You know you demonstrating Crazy. that on that screen? It's not doing the machine any justice. It, you've got to show it in the right environment, or at least you know get towards the right environment. Put it on a 50-inch or a 42-inch, you know, 1080p screen. People will see the difference. It, it's an interesting fact, and um, we'll wrap up the 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 disc formats on this one. But um, I work with a lot of people who are. Um, so aged between 45 down to 24 and each of them have been into carries or Dixons or whatever but the encouraging thing is each of them have actually said I've seen HD and it looks brilliant you can't get away from the picture so that's that's a, a small cross section of the public but these are people that are not gadgety people you know I start talking about stuff and, and they switch off so I guess that's got to be encouraging so what did you say Phil? I think uh, one of the other things as well is that uh, when we look at DVD audio and SACD, one of the things that held them back was that they never had the the mainstream content, if you like. You know, you could never walk in and buy a single or whatever else on an SACD. Um, so it never had that, that sort of popular backing. And I think the studios and probably the manufacturers have looked at it as well and said, you know, guys, people don't really care what... Uh, format the thing is being delivered in. They just want to watch the movie looking as good as possible. So that's why you're seeing so many like flipper discs now. Not flippers, but uh, the dual-sided discs with Blu-ray and HD DVD on each side. Uh, the combo players make it dead easy for people. They don't need to think about the format that they're choosing. They just think, okay, I want that movie. I'll buy it and I will know that it plays in my player. And it takes a lot of the, the political arguments and everything away. Um, and I think that that can only be a good thing for, for the market on a whole. Okay, let's move on. And let's move to something which Neil hinted at a little bit earlier on. So, Neil, the network connections getting better, download speeds getting faster. Uh, what was your point there? Well, basically, uh, it's going to come to a point, hopefully quite soon, where we all have a fast enough connection in our house to be able to download any HD movie or whatever else we want when we want it. So we won't necessarily need to, to go into the shop and buy, uh, buy the disc itself. And as soon as that happens, um, you've seen it with iTunes, 
Uh, the record company can put their entire back catalogue up on iTunes. They don't need to hold inventory or anything like this. Um, and when you can do the same thing with movies, suddenly all that investment that they've got in the movies that they've made and everything, uh, they can make money off that at all times simply by having it as a download. You know, they're not having to make whatever a million DVDs and hope that they sell. They just have it up there, it's a file, um, and they can download it a hundred times, one time, a million times. doesn't make that much difference to them. They make money off it every single time. Um, and I think that that's the way that the, the distribution uh, of the content is undeniably going to go over the next few years. But, I mean, obviously, if we're talking sort of at this moment in time, to download an HD, a full HD movie with all the extras and everything else that goes with it, um, you're going to have to set it away before you go to your bed at night just to get it downloaded in time, are you not? Well, sure, if you're lucky enough to have a very fast connection at that, um, I would imagine that there's still a lot of people who would need to spend a couple of days downloading the movie. So at the minute, it's it's not the, the best solution, of course. Um, that's really why it's dependent on the network infrastructure and so on. So um, if you look at some of the other countries in the world that, that really put Britain to shame with their infrastructure, they already have the download speeds where download HD content, no problem at all. Uh, you can watch it back in real time because it's downloading maybe five, ten minutes ahead of where you are. It's no problem at all to, to, to keep playing it back. And once we can get to that level, um, and it does need to reach that level first before it becomes compelling, but once we do get to that level, the, the, the reasons for owning the, the, the disc itself for a lot of people will just disappear uh, due to the convenience. really have to look at how that's happened in the music market with iTunes and so on. You know, People are not attached to their CDs. They just want the music. They don't really care about the CD. And that's definitely going to happen with the movies. We, we may not like it as a group here, but that's definitely the way it's going to go. But don't you think the quality can get lost? I mean, personally, I don't like MP3s. Never have done in regards to my music. Don't you think you're going to... Obviously, the, you're saying the connections have to obviously get larger, and they will, I'm sure. I, I mean, I get 20 meg um, the 1st of May coming up on broadband, but I don't... I think, the you know, there's a, there's a you have to hell, have a hell of a lot of bandwidth to, to hold a lot of the data, like, what, 30 gig of, of say, sure, a HD I mean, the, film? The, the, there's no getting around the, the bandwidth requirements. Um, and it's, Whereas it can't be really compressed on, you know, on the You absolutely audio. don't want to compress it. It is exactly. a different thing from, from what we have. Yeah. Um, you probably will see, as we, we've seen already with the download services, that things initially will be a bit over-compressed and we'll have compression artifacts and so on. But, I mean, we're not talking an overnight thing here. We're talking maybe five, ten years down the road. Yeah. Uh, everything's just going to come down a big fat pipe into your house. And you're going to have as much content in as many formats as you want. You're just going to click on your PC and download it all. And I guess the cynic and us are, are, are going to latch on to the fact that maybe this is why Microsoft were so involved with the creation of, of new compression techniques, such as VC1. Maybe that they're telling us something there, that maybe that that's the way they see the future going, Seth? It's possible. Um I have to think it's somewhat cynical um, because if you think about it, it's just going further on with MPEG-2. Um, I'm one of these people that don't subscribe to the fact that Microsoft are the big evil, um, unfortunately. Um, I think it makes perfect sense for them to have got involved with the codex because if you think about it, they 
have already had experience on um, computers with the AVI codec, etc. So it's not a huge shocker, really. Um, it's just the sort of the next step up the um, infrastructure, if you like. So yeah, it's not really a major major shocker that they were involved. I think what's more telling is the uh, Xbox Live service with the pr uh, product on down uh, available for download, the TV shows and stuff. I think that's more telling than anything else. So guys, um, just to round off, I'm the type of person who, if I pay my money, I like to have something in my hand um, that I can have, that I can put up on my shelf, that um, I know that you know I paid for that and it's there. I don't like this idea of paying for a file which is going to sit on my computer. Are any of you guys like that, or do you see I'm that? the same, Phil. I'm the same. Um, it's not. It's not in my hand. I can't see it. Um, hard drives can get corrupted. Um, you know, you can lose that. I'm. I'm very much in the fact that I. I like to have the film there, and that's where I think DVD, HD DVD, um, Blu-ray, or whatever medium and format that is goes on. Um, it, it's better to have it on disc. That's just my, the way I feel personally. What about you other guys? Well, for me, I haven't uh, got involved in the whole music download thing that much. Um, I actually have been downloading books for quite a number of years now, though. Um, and I always was the same. I thought, well, you know, I download these books and I'll never get to see them again. But I actually have a, a library with the book provider that I use online. I can go on, I can click any one of those books anytime I want and download it. I can have it on my phone, my PC, whatever else I can get at it anytime I want. And I find that it's so convenient compared to having a, a physical book to carry around with me. Um, and I think that you will start to see something. HD is a slightly different thing because HD is associated with high quality and so on. But you've seen with the video iPod and all that kind of stuff that people really value the content. They want to have their content everywhere. That's why your phone can play movies, your Walkman can play movies, your your GPS system in your car can play movies and MP3s and all of that kind of stuff. People just want their content with them. Um, and although we may prefer to have uh, the physical disc, I have to say that we're pretty much in the minority there. And what about you, Seth, just to round things off? I don't like download material, full stop. I want something tangible for my money. I want to know where it's gone. Uh, I don't care if it's a book. I don't care if it's music. I don't care if it's a DVD. I pay money. I want something out at the end of it. Okay, well, it's been uh, another fascinating conversation uh, that we've had again tonight. Uh, thanks very much to Neil. Thank you, Neil. Cheers. Uh, thanks to John. Cheers, Phil. And thanks to Seth. And don't forget, if you want to take part in any future roundtables or you have any subjects you would like us to discuss, or if you have any problems with any bits of kit that you think we may be able to help you out with, then send us an email to help at avpodcast.co.uk and we'll raise your questions or suggestions in future podcasts. So all I have to do is thank our panel this evening and we'll be back again very shortly for another roundtable. Made by enthusiasts. For enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie, thanks. This is the AV Podcast. And before we leave you on this week's podcast, just time to tell you about the next home cinema edition of the AV Podcast, which will be coming live from Italy. Yes, we'll be attending the G8 launch from Pioneer, the new plasma screens and products for the 8th generation. So stay tuned for that, and that's coming up on the 12th of May. 
And two weeks after that, we will be discussing in detail ISF calibration in a very special roundtable, which will be taking place at Sirius headquarters in Cambridge as the AV podcast and AV play team take the ISF training course. So stay tuned for those exciting episodes of the Home Cinema Podcast coming up in May. Jason. Thanks, Phil. And that just about wraps up another Home Cinema Podcast. Don't forget that we now produce three separate casts. Check out the AV Podcast Movies Edition and the AV Podcast Games Edition for more news, reviews and roundtables. Until next week, this is Jason Bradbury saying thanks for listening, stay subscribed and tell your friends. The AV Podcast was presented by Jason Bradbury and Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content including sound clips and music is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.